Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Hope you have been listening to other episodes before. If you're new, definitely a big welcome digital hug. Welcome to ADHD is over. Either you're someone who has dealt with or is dealing with this so-called disorder, ADHD, or you have a family member, friend, you know someone that uh, deals with it and you're just listening in and you want to share this perhaps if you like it, if, if it's your style if you jive with it. And uh, yeah, all are welcome. All are welcome. We're here to shift perspectives, not necessarily to give tips. We're here to inspire and to potentially have you see something different around this disorder, so-called, I will add, disorder, that might make a difference in your life because it's made a difference for our family. It's made a difference for some other friends and families that we know that are perhaps using similar versions of what we, our family, the Wyden family, went through. So basically, the goal is to inspire you to connect your own dots and to create your own sort of customized family approach to thriving. Now, before we get into today's episode, Coping is Hoping, uh, again, a special thanks to our supporting partner, Boku Superfood. Check these guys out, bokusuperfood.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. They're local here in Ojai, California. Boku is uh, a product of the, the Roly family, and they have the best superfood. They have protein. They have uh, super fuel. They have matcha teas, shrooms, C-biotics, super berries, you name it. They have so many really awesome natural products that just that just allow your body to thrive. That's the best way for me to describe it. I personally uh, use their superfood. I use their super protein, uh, vanilla. I'm kind of a vanilla guy in that sense. And I'm not currently using super fuel, but have in the past and love it. Uh, definitely ordering more of that soon. And I also use one of their CBD uh, mint uh, sprays, massage oil sprays uh, for my shoulder. I have a little bit of a shoulder issue. Uh, so I can only speak highly of the products. I know they work. I've used them. If you're interested, visit bokusuperfood.com. Drop me a line. If you're seriously interested, you will go through the effort to drop me a line and I'll hook you up with a discount. Awesome. That is our support partner, Boku, B-O-K-U, superfood.com. Check it, check it, check it. Now let's go. Coping is hoping. Cute, right? Kind of rhymes, coping is hoping. Well, let's look at both words. Now, we live in a world, often, and this was a, a famous Obama poster, hope, right? Remember that one? Um, you know, I think it was Shepard Ferry that drew, drew the original. Um, could be wrong, but, you know, double check it if you are a fact checker and must know all the facts if you're that, that type. But hope is a big word. Hope is the sense of hanging on to some future outcome that you really 
would love to happen, for it to happen in the future. And, and so you hope, you don't give up, right? When you hope, you sort of hang on with one finger hanging from a cliff like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, right? You hang from a cliff with a finger and you know that perhaps your parents or somewhere you picked up the slogan of like, you know, never give up. And so you hope that somebody will show up and pull you up or you hope that you will fall and catch a branch or you hope that your finger will be strong enough to hang on for 20 more hours until the helicopter gets there. You fill in the blank of what you're hoping for in that moment of perhaps it's a blank hope of I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope all is going to turn out well. Now, that's a great feeling, right? That's a, that's, that, there's a strength there. There's this powerful force that you believe in that will make things okay. That's a good thing, right? Yes, it's a good thing. Don't worry, I'm not going to say actually it's not. It's a great thing. But then again... There are many great things in life that, you know, are great, but they're perhaps not telling us, not giving us the full picture, perhaps not allowing us to really go beyond what we look at and say, that's pretty good. It's pretty, it's great. Yeah, it's good. And for me, hope is one of those words, one of those states of mind. Now, before I go into what I mean, we're going to start with the word coping to cope and we'll end with hope and you'll see I'm going to close that circle for you so what is coping well coping is a word you know and I, and, and I invite you right now to see what comes up for you right when I say you're coping with something what comes up for you perhaps and I'm just going to let you in on the uh the definition of coping, we're going to go with the Merriam-Webster definition. You know, of course, there's many definitions of actually of, of coping um, because it's used in architecture, which is the top layer of a brick or stone wall that is usually higher on one end than the other to allow rain to be carried off easily. Is that what we're looking for? No. So let's look at to cope, right? Um the word you've entered isn't in the dictionary. I love that. So let's look at coping mechanisms. Doing this here as we go along. Coping mechanisms are not in the dictionary. That's so funny. All right, let's go back to coping strategies. Perhaps we should just look for this on... Um, I use DuckDuckGo, if you uh, are not familiar with it, definitely urge you to check it out because I kind of got a little tired of Google's dominance and how they organize search results. All right, coping strategies, right? So I'm going to see if there's a definition, if they have a definition, because it's a very important word. It's not easy, right? So let's see here. So coping strategy, for example, let's see here. All right. Cope. If you cope with a problem or task, you deal with it 
successfully. That is so funny because there's really, really not a lot of definitions there for coping. All right, here we go. Coping mechanism. Something a person does to deal with a difficult situation. So, for example, they're also giving the typical example, some people overeat as a coping mechanism. I'm an emotional eater. It's my coping mechanism when I'm feeling down. Okay. So that's actually not a bad example. So let's look at coping. When we look at the world of ADHD, it is riddled with books, videos, and experts who are basically selling or showcasing, right? Coping mechanisms or strategies. So we, we should say strategies because the mechanism seems a bit like more of a psychological way to deal with something. Yes, that's part of it. But the strategies to cope with ADHD, I would say you're going to find millions of search results. I've done it before. There were books, videos, workshops, experts, studies, you name it. And how come? Why is that? Well, it's because what we've created in this world around this so-called disorder called ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is that we've come to accept, and this is the most important part of the coping part, we've come to accept that it is something that will be there for life and that it will never go away. And it's a very, very, very important part here because when we look at something that we have come to accept as something that's going to be there for life and it's not going away, the only thing that we can do at that time in order to thrive or what we think is thrive in life is to, first of all, accept the fact that it's going to be there forever and it's never going to go away. And then secondly, we have to then prioritize what kind of coping strategies, what kind of tools we're going to apply or use or implement in our lives or in our children's lives that will make our lives easier. When we say easier, again, coping means we're going to deal with it the best we can. And again, just like the word hope, that's not a bad thing to deal with something, right? If we go back to this definition, something a person does to deal with a difficult situation, at least they're doing something to deal with it. So that's a good thing. But again, there's an incomplete picture around that. And I want to get deeper. I want to peel back another layer and, and look at the nuance, right? So when we actually come to choose and prioritize certain coping strategies and tools in order for us or for our children to be able to deal with the difficult situations in life due to this so-called disorder. That is essentially what we accept to do when we say, you know what, this book really, these, these tools make sense. This is how I'm going to cope with, or this is how I'm going to, you know, teach my child. We're going to have uh, occupational therapy. We're going to do this course and that class and use this uh, uh, chart of stickers and this reward, you know, whatever. You know what I'm talking about if you have a child with ADHD. Some of these coping strategies have already been suggested to you, perhaps, by a therapist um, or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, right? And usually, 
what people, what, what experts do is to say, well, first of all, you should have your child on medication because then they're going to be calm at school and do the homework, get the grades, you know, they're going to, going to get at least that handled. And then on top of that, you know, learn some tools, get some coping strategies happening that will make their lives easier. And so when we look at this, when you look at the title, Coping is Hoping, what I wanted to point out here is that most parents, even though, and I'm just going to assume, you know, let's say for the sake of this statement, 50% of these parents have their kids on medication, uh, stimulant drugs, the other 50 don't, right? But when you're, you know, when, when coping is hoping, it's kind of like having your kids on meds or not, hanging from a cliff with one finger, hoping that what you're doing other than the medication is going to somehow help them to deal with difficult situations, sorry, difficult situations in the future. So picture yourself as a parent hanging from a cliff with one finger and your child is next to you also hanging from the cliff with one finger because ADHD in a family affects everyone. It creates a lot of tension and stress and friction and so forth. And you're both hanging there. Perhaps, like I said, your child is medicated or not, but you're at peace with that decision, whichever way you want to you know, go. And at the same time, you're still hoping. And I'm here to say that hope or hoping in this situation does not allow for complete thriving of an individual. You can't thrive while you're hoping and coping. That is a claim I am making, and you can argue that with me. I'd love to have a conversation around that. I've had conversations around different subjects, different topics I've brought up around ADHD. People have emailed me or asked me to do an episode, or we've had conversations in person. I love it. And we always get to a great place because I'm never shut off to seeing something that perhaps I'm not aware of. But this one really, really rings deep for me, that when you're hopeful while you're coping, you can't be thriving at the same time as an individual and the family. How come? Well, if you're hanging from the cliff with one finger and you're hoping that you got the right coping strategies in place and eventually this will create a better life for you, especially for your child, right, or children, you cannot be thriving. Your prefrontal cortex, your brain, literally cannot do both at the same time. And it's the same, by the way, for ADHD, and you've heard me say this before if you've listened to previous episodes, that it's scientifically proven that the prefrontal cortex can only do one thing at a time. And when a child is processing some form of stress or trauma in their lives, they cannot be focusing on, say, algebra at school. Hence, lots of kids are not present. Not every kid has trauma, but lots of kids, trust me, almost all kids today have so much stress, so much pressure. There's so much pressure right now for academic performance. There's COVID. There's, you know, well, how are we going to keep, stay on the Ivy League track? How are we going to keep the grades up? 
there's so much pressure and so much stress around these children that it is no wonder that their prefrontal cortex is preoccupied with trying to figure out how to restore peace in their lives. And same goes for, you know, hoping, coping, and thriving. You can't be thriving if you're hoping that you've chosen the right coping mechanisms. I'll say it again. It is impossible for a human being to thrive in life. Thrive means you're just on fire. You're just, you know, you've carved out your path or for your child, right? You are unfolding, developing, learning, growing, and you're falling on the ground face down. You're, you're getting right back up. You're dirty. You clean yourself up, right? And you can picture yourself or your child. And you keep going with a smile and then you're sad and you cry and you're angry and you handle it and you move on and you're just, you're just a human being, fully like a pig in the mud. But you come out the other end, thriving because you're not hoping, you're not coping, you're not sort of hanging on with one finger from a cliff, hoping that something good will happen in the future while being told that, well, it's never going to go away. You're always going to be hanging on by a finger. There's always that possibility that you or your child may slip and mess up in life, you know, become a self-medicated drug abuser and maybe end up in jail as so many uh, principals and teachers have threatened parents with or psychologists, psychiatrists. So it's impossible, impossible to be thriving which I know we all want. I know that if you're here, if you've taken the time to listen to my podcast, because, you know, frankly, in this world right now, I'm a nobody. I don't have millions of listeners. I'm not a celebrity. And, and so if you've taken the time or you trust your friend who sent you a link to my podcast and you're listening to this episode, you are searching for something. And I guarantee you that somewhere in there and that something in that, you know, percentage breakdown of what that something is, that a high percentage of that something is the need, the desire to be thriving in life, the desire to have your child live a fulfilling, thriving life. Let's face it, that is the goal. That is my goal. That is my wife's goal. That is our goal for our children. It is my, my intention, my desire for all my friends and, and people I know to be thriving. We'd have a better world, right? So, and, and you look, just as a disclaimer, we all have different levels or types of our idea, ideas of thriving, but the feeling when you're thriving, the way of being that a human being experiences when he or she is thriving is the same all around. We're human beings. Thriving just fucking feels good. So we're all here. I'm here recording this episode because I'm committed. You your children, everyone thrives in this life, in this lifetime of theirs, whether you believe you have multiple lifetimes or not. In this one right now that you're in, that you're listening on some device to my podcast, in this life, I am committed, you thrive. Your children thrive, your friends, your family members, coworkers, and so forth. Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E. And I'm here to say... The only way that you can thrive is to not hope 
that things are going to turn out, but is to say that they are going to turn out and be responsible, take action, trust your intuition, choose the right path for your family. Connect the dots. Do the research. Don't take my word for it. Perhaps take the word of all our experts combined and see how those dots connect. You know, if you were to go through all the episodes on my podcast with experts that I've interviewed and you connect those dots and it works for you, it resonates, it inspires you, run with it. See how you can use those dots, those connections, create a roadmap, a personalized roadmap for your own family. If you connect these dots and you're like, this is not for me, I'm not buying it, I believe in medication, I believe the disorder is real, I believe some kids are born with this quote-unquote defect or they're broken or they're not normal, whatever, um, you have to be honest with yourself because there are those thoughts that, that parents have. Um, if you're in that camp, these thoughts won't connect. That's okay. Move on with no fuss. I will even, you know, applaud you and respect you for moving on, for saying, you know what, right now it doesn't feel like our way to go. Cool. Moving on, right? This is not for people who are looking for coping strategies. If you're on the fence, if you want some coping strategies, but you want your mind to be blown and your perspective to be shifted, continue listening or listen to some previous episodes if this is your first one. We're here to shift perspectives and to inspire. We're not here to give coping strategies. Wrong podcast. There's plenty of books and, like I said, experts and videos that will give you those. Our claim is that those strategies are still band-aids that are being put on a much deeper wound. And until we actually see what the cause of ADHD really is, and if we acknowledge what it is, in a nutshell, I'm just going to give it to you here, is stress and trauma on a nervous system will cause a sensitive enough individual to basically put their nervous system on high alert all the time. And that preoccupies the prefrontal cortex. Hence, they can't be present in life all the time unless that nervous system is trained to calm itself down again and again, to be calm, to respond to threat like it's a threat, then calm down, process it, heal it, and move on. A skill we don't teach today in our education, for the most part especially not in public education. That skill will eradicate ADHD, which is why when we first discovered this deep truth, we decided to call this movement ADHD is over because there's a potential for it to be over. And this title was borrowed by John Lennon and Yoko Ono's campaign back in the 60s where they had billboards all around New York, I believe, and other places uh, that said the war is over. War is over. If you like it to be over, right? So it's a similar statement that we wanted to make that it is up to us. And I don't mean up to the society to finally say, you know, oh, well, the American Psychiatric Association finally declared it over. Or the DSM finally shut its, you know, pages or its door. Uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking individual declaration, 
each family, each human being who wants the disorder or this, uh, you know, feeling around ADHD as being a, a you know, abnormal or, or people who are broken, their brains who are not working right. If the individual wants that to be over, it's simply a matter of declaration. It's simply declaring for me, it's over. And that's where we started as a family. We said for us, it's over because we say so it's over. We're not, we don't need that label on our child. He doesn't need the label. There is no actual need, no benefit, period, of the ADHD label for anyone. Now, sure, there's benefits. There are people who claim that it has benefits to label themselves as ADHD. I will argue every single one of those benefits because I don't believe they're true benefits. I think they're a bit like what's called the payoff. You're getting something from it. You get to be late or you get to be uh, more distracted or you get to have bad grades or you get to be put in a different group. You get to take medication. You get to be felt sorry for. You get to feel special, whatever that is. Hey, look. I know they show up as benefits, but get that they're not. They're not actual benefits in your life contributing to thriving. They are cop-outs. Now, I want this to be very clear because people have gotten in my face about it and I understand why and I've since corrected the way I speak about it. So my wife and I have created this, call it a slogan or you know, line subheader, which is the struggle is real the label doesn't have to be. And that simply means, yes, you might be dealing with, you know, having a lot of friction in your life because you can't pay attention or because you're, you seem impulsive and you just can't control it, right? That struggle is real, 100%. Would never deny that. I have that in my own life. And so do not, I do not deny the struggle, but the label doesn't have to be real because there's no benefit to it. And I've heard psychologists or so-called experts say, well, the benefit is that we can identify these children as da 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 and that the doctor can prescribe. And, you know, it's, it's like a shorthand. Well, yeah, bullshit. That's just exactly how we keep it in place. That's not a benefit. That is a convenience for certain establishments and for certain systems, education. And so, and I get, I understand it. Look, I get it. Yes, it may look like a benefit and it may look like it's needed. It's part of us, but it's a, it's really a convenience, something that we've come to accept and something that actually keeps it in place. So I know I've done a little bit of a detour here, but it's a very important detour when we're talking about, you know, coping is hoping because we've now created a society that hopes that their children will be okay. And, you know, if you, like me, sometimes hoping is a, is, it doesn't give you 100% confidence and comfort and peace of mind because you're still hoping. There's still, you know, if it was like a pie chart, I would say hoping is like a 90%er. There's still 10% of like, well, you know, it could still go very wrong. But I have hope. I'm positive. I'm not giving up, right? 
you're sort of pushing the pie chart needle really 90%, 92%. You're really, you're, you're close to 100, right? So you're asking, well, Roman, if, if uh, you know, coping is hoping and hoping isn't 100% peace of mind and doesn't lead to thriving, what does? <laughs> well, that, my friends, is truly a loaded question because the answer isn't as simple as I would like it to be. So what can have somebody thrive? Well, first of all, I go back to the three rules of our ADHD movement, which is shift your perspective. First of all, we have to let go that something's wrong with us. If you're an adult listening or if you have a child with ADHD, something's wrong with my child. And that translates to my child is the problem. And that's what most parents are subconscious, well, I don't want to say subconsciously, quietly, that is what parents are saying. When they say my child has a disorder, what they're saying is my child is the problem. So if there's friction in the household or if there's you know friction at school, it's the child. It's not the school, not the family, not the environment, not anything else we've done in our parenting or, right? The child is the problem. So number one, we got to shift our perspective that our children are not the problem. Now, I can't shift that perspective for you in, you know, two minutes or an hour or even 40 episodes. That's why we were working on a documentary and there's going to be a book as well. And our goal is to really have parents get present to not just cerebrally, but viscerally really get present to that. Wow. Maybe my child is not the problem, huh? Okay. So that's step number one. Child is not the problem, right? Or I should say shift your perspective is step number one. Subheader, your child's not the problem. Number two, heal your shit. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. As a parent of a child with ADHD, if your child's not the problem, guess what? Everything else might be. Well, what does everything else include? Well, includes schooling, includes diet, includes the marriage or the relationship between the parents. Often there's divorce, often there's single parents, right? It includes all of that. So heal your shit means to go into every single one of those corners, those sections of life and pull out as much friction as possible. How did you do that? Well, you, you get counseling, you take a workshop, you get committed to transforming that area. If the family diet sucks, clean it up. If the marriage is not working, fix it first. You have to go in there to every single corner and shift it. That's healing your shit. Start the process, start healing, start processing, start pondering, start reading, start workshopping, start counseling, whatever you need to do. That's step number two, heal your shit. Number three then is only possible if steps number one and two have been implemented. Number three is honor your child. And it is exactly what that means. Honor your child. Your child is a human being. You treat your child like you would treat your best friend. Not because you should be a friend to your children, you're still the parent, but the way you talk to them, the way you treat them, the energy that you invest in them, you have to, well, I should say, we have, you know, noticed by doing so 
that it calms the children down. There's respect. There's mutual love. And there's even a form of, it's not obedience because we are taught to raise kids to be obedient, which I think is complete nonsense. Doesn't work. Look at the world. The numbers don't lie. But it creates a collaboration, that's the right word, between child and parent. And that's honoring your child. And when you put those three things into place, and it's never going to be perfect and you're never going to be done, right? My wife and I are still working on it. But when you start the journey, what we promise you will start to see is a lot of these so-called symptoms of ADHD, like, like hyperactivity, impulsivity, anger, whatever emotional outburst will disappear. Our son was diagnosed six years ago and we do not believe in medication. We've um, basically started applying and, you know, researching and later developing and, and now defining those three steps. And that's how we live. Currently, that's our motto, right? It's shift our, shifting our perspective constantly, healing our own shit and honoring our children. And through that, six years later, our son is no longer hyperactive. When six years ago he was diagnosed, one of the big symptoms was he's hyperactive. That's gone. How come, you might say? Well, it doesn't matter if it's, well, it's been six years. It doesn't matter, well, you know, uh, he's in a school that's child-led. None of that matters because what matters to us is that that friction is gone in our family. And it's brought us harmony, love, joy, fun. All of these words for us are in the universe of thriving. So whatever you need to do, your own version of it, we're simply here to say that you can achieve dissolving these so-called symptoms from the disorder. You can achieve it by simply starting with the first step. Shift your perspective. If you can wrap your head around that this weekend, I'm recording this on a Saturday and I'll probably be posting this tomorrow on a Sunday. If you can shift your perspective and talk to your partner, your parenting partner about this, and you can at least start to say, okay, well, I don't want to see my, our child as a problem. You know, Roman's got a point here. So, well, if we don't, if we... Sh if we're supposed to look at everything in the child's environment as a possible, you know, cause of friction of stress and on a nervous system, then let's look at it. If you can start there, you've started the journey. And I promise you, with patience and love, if you invest years of digging deeper in all areas of your life so that all areas of your life, if you're rating the areas of your lives, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, if you can always be somewhere between eight, nine, it's probably never going to be a 10. And if it is a 10, maybe the next month it's not, right? All the areas of your life, like, you know, money, uh, uh, you know, diet, exercise, spirituality, sex and intimacy, like all the areas, parenting, right? If you can rate them, and by the way, I highly recommend you do this exercise. My wife and I actually haven't done it in a while. I'm going to suggest to her uh, to possibly do it next week. Uh, we, we rate our, our lives. You know, she takes a piece of paper. I take a piece of paper. And we write down all the areas of our lives. And then she rates it how it's currently for her. And I rate mine. And then we share notes. And, you know, it's like, oh, you gave parenting a five. I gave it a seven. 
you know, and then you discuss it. Oh, intimacy, you gave it a nine, I gave it a four, whatever that is, right? And so I highly recommend you do that with all areas, all things in the environment of your family, and then go to work in upping them all, right? Why would you want to be stuck in a, in a life where, say, your diet's a three, your finances are a five, your love and intimacy is a five, you know, why not be at an eight and a nine wherever you can? Why not push it upward? Why not, you know, bring fulfillment to all the areas? We all want it. Guarantee you, deep down, we all want to thrive. And then there's the reasons why we like, you know, resigned and cynical. Eh, I don't care. I don't want to, whatever, you know, fine. You can stay in that space. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be a fun life. So why not up it? Why not go in there and do whatever it takes? By the way, that's called responsibility. It's like, it's not like, oh, I'm unlucky. I live in the wrong place and I just I don't have a job and other people have money and I don't, you know, that's not being responsible. Responsibility is going in there, rolling up your sleeves, transforming every single area of your life. And I guarantee you, my wife, and I guarantee you, your child's quote unquote symptoms or mental disorder symptoms are going to start to melt away. Like you're melting a scoop of ice cream with a blowtorch. It's just going to be gone. At some point, it's just going to melt. Gone. Just like our son's hyperactivity, six years. Yes, it took six years. We worked hard, but it's gone. And his impulsivity has gone down you know, tremendously. He's still impulsive, but the good, you know, I call impulsivity, uh, it's a needed skill. We need it to calibrate our intuition so that we can become self-reliant, confident human beings. That, he's honing, he still owns that. But the previous nervous, stressed out impulsivity is now gone because the home life is calmer. Things in our environment have less friction. We've actually supported him and our family We've, we've removed as much friction and we still do on a daily basis as we can because friction is part of life. But if we don't like it and it's causing, you know, disorder in our family, we work on it. We remove it. It's not needed. It's there to point something out and it's there for us to have a lesson. But, you know, when we're done with it, it's like, thank you. I don't need this friction. So I'm going to end it here by saying, if you're coping currently with ADHD or your child, you're helping your child cope, we invite you to honestly, on a scale from one to 10, rate your amount of thriving as a family. Can you look someone else in the eyes and honestly say, we are thriving at level seven or nine or whatever? Because if you're coping, if you're using coping mechanisms and you're hoping that your children will have a good future. My guesstimate of thriving is somewhere 5.5 or a six, but you want to get to an eight and a half, a nine and nine and a half. That is my commitment to you and to all of you listening that we can all thrive in our lives and that hoping that something's going to go better in the future and using coping strategies simply keeps us locked into being obedient consumers of pharma or of these strategies that ultimately do not contribute to thriving as a family. 
And if you're committed to thriving, step one, shift your perspective. Your child is not the problem. And then start with asking, what could be causing friction in our lives? Thank you for listening. Have an amazing weekend, an amazing life. Let's thrive in life, as that rhymes as well. Let's not keep hoping and using coping strategies. They're all fine, but it's not enough to thrive. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time.